evening and welcome back to another edition, a playoff edition of the JMU Sports Blog Podcast. I'm Todd. I'm joined as always by my buddy Rob. What's up, Rob? Nothing. How are we doing tonight? Oh, we are doing well. Um, I mean, we got a lot to talk about, but it's we, an exciting show. We, we certainly we do. do. Right? Um, I, I was kind of going through, Rob, today, putting the the stats for the other the non-football sports, like kind of mm-hmm. getting ready for tonight. And if you're a JMU sport this week, you had to do something. You have to be doing something special yeah. to like make the podcast on a talking basis <laughs> this week, or even the breeze, or local news, or whatever. Because if if you just played like a regular season game this week, everybody else had a that's, bigger bigger week. That's right? under the radar. Yeah, um, there are a whole bunch of teams to talk about who had huge weeks or have huge weeks coming up. Um, it was really a banner day, a banner weekend this weekend for JMU sports across the board. Uh, excited to talk about them tonight. Uh, we'll start with a little tidbit, Rob. You see Daniel Brown re-signed with the Jets today. Um, he, the guy just keeps hanging around. I, I, mean, I know. I guess if you just like are a good guy, like do your homework, lift weights, be available, and play special teams, you can like – it's about to go into his ninth season in the NFL. <laughs> like, I mean, that, that's a hell of an accomplishment. I mean, I mean really. It, it's incredible that that guy stuck around like this. Yeah. But – I mean, he's versatile. I, I assume, you know, he's like backup tight end, backup receiver, can play like every special team available. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I just, it, it's it's awesome. And I'm, I'm really happy to hear that. So um, that was a good start. Um, we're going to talk football tonight. We're going to look at the big win over Richmond. We're going to look ahead to the, I, I think, fairly exciting. I, I'm fairly excited about the matchup with VMI this week. Um, yeah, it's the, definitely something different. Yeah. You know? um, and, and they're a little bit of like local interest, I think. Yeah. You know, I, I, I mean, not maybe not so much here in Nova, but I mean, for for the Richmond, Virginia Beach crowd, I think there's quite a bit of neighborhood, you, you know, <laughs> there's there's flags from both schools in the neighborhood. A Absolutely. Lot, right. Yeah. Uh, uh, in a lot of places. Um, so that's cool. And we'll look, you know, at the bracket in general. I, I think we're going to talk about that. I am going to say, Rob, I, we talked about this today. We're going to try to hold our uh, ranting about all number, like all manner of sports things, both FCS, CAA, and Super League related till the end. Um, some of these things may come up in the course of the conversation, but if we if we don't get to them, we will we will give ourselves a chance. Uh, uh, you know, we'll set a timer at the end and give ourselves a couple of minutes just to really get it. it. Just go for just, it. Um, all just, the people. Just open a vein. Uh, yeah, um, all things considered, Jamie was the three seed. There's some, I think you and I felt like it was more, um, we're not necessarily frustrated or really have like a super big bone to pick about JMU's slot in the bracket so much as just the contradiction of where were they three weeks ago versus what happened since then, you know, right? Well, just it's just the big thing. It's not even frustration or feeling like they put an about phase. It's just like, why even bother with that thing to a couple weeks ago? Yeah. Just utterly pointless. I don't like it for the FBS playoff. I, I think it's just a ridiculous TV grab and it's, an, mm-hmm. it means nothing right. like big deal. You know, Oh, you were in position. If the season ended today, in position, who cares? That's just, mm-hmm. that's sports talk radio nonsense. It's just gimmicky. It's even worse when it comes to FCS. Cause I don't think a lot of the people on the committee, had watched a lot of games two weeks ago. Yeah, that's what I think. Because, um, I mean, if Jamie was number one then, it's, uh, it's kind of questionable. It was kind of dicey to have him yeah. at number one. Mm-hmm. But then 
to have them answer some a lot of those questions in the past two games just makes it even weirder. And it's not a knock against the top two seeds. They've got strong resumes. And a blind resume test, it you can't if, – if you take the names off there and just look at the resumes – you're really doing some mental gymnastics if you say, Jamie, you got host. Yeah, um, and there are some other teams, I think, that actually have bigger complaints, both teams that were underseeded and teams that were left out, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think there are other teams across the country um, that probably have larger complaints than JMU. So I, I don't know. We're, we're going to try to stick to the game. The Dukes beat the Spiders, Rob. That's they the ground really only thing we should talk the about. Ground. Right. Let's just start with where where this belongs. This um, we'll start with our Mossy Creek Four Downs, brought to you by Mossy Creek Fly Fishing in Harrisonburg, Virginia. Um, go sign up for your trip. Go sign up for your lessons. Uh, get all the gear you need for a great summer on the water. Uh, creeks are running. The sun was out a little bit this afternoon. It's just perfect time of year. The weather. We haven't even hit like peak pollen yet, so it's possible for. I think I hit it Saturday afternoon. (laughs) You hit it Saturday. All right. Yeah. Um, No, get out there. uh, Go visit them in Harrisonburg. Mention the podcast. You get a free Mossy Creek sticker and just mention it. Those guys, we love to talk to them. Um, Love to hear from them. Hoping to see them at some point in this, what will hopefully be a two or three week playoff run at home. um, If, if, if nothing else. So we'll, we'll get to that point in a little bit, but that is a, so big thanks to them. Rob, I don't know. Where do you want to start? I mean, I, I just lost in all the conversation after Selection Sunday and screaming at the CAA for awarding the auto bid to JMU. and To Delaware. Delaware, sorry. Um, and I'm excited about what the JMU ex-players, I, they were very vocal this week, on mm-hmm. this weekend on social media, both Saturday with the CAA awarding the AQ to Delaware, and then on Sunday after the bracket came out, um, I don't think I've seen them as like as a group sort of engaged in that way on social media in quite a while. I, I think when Danucci played last year for Dallas, that was probably, but that, you know, that was kind of more of a purely fun thing. It wasn't engaged yeah. in the JMU program. It was just like, mm-hmm. hey, we can watch Monday Night Football. You know, mm-hmm. like, um, that was kind of fun. But what, what was your, I mean, they beat the Spiders, they needed to win. They ground them down. They won 23 to 6. They sat on the ball inside the 10 at the end of the game. Um, and if I were better at doing any kind of like impressions or something, we'd do fake call ins here, Rob. And I'd do, uh, you know, guy from Mount Solon, uh, you know, guy from, yeah. guy from Mount Jackson calling in to complain about Signetti and this is ridiculous and nobody can play. And yet, JMU gave up six points to the Spiders, three. Like, like, what what do we want from them, right? They did. I felt like it was a very professional thing. What did you think? Yeah, it's just kind of systematic. Mm-hmm. You know, like the way they go about their business. It's. I feel like this is kind of what Houston wanted to do mm-hmm. that second or third year, but couldn't do. For him, it was more like score one touchdown, then hold on for dear life. Mm-hmm. I feel like this was the game plan. As much as he's probably remembered for his flashy offenses and you know dropping seventy points and blowout victories and running up the score. Mm-hmm. I think in his heart, what he wanted to do was just have dominating wins by controlling the ball and controlling the clock. Mm-hmm. It never really happened. Mm-hmm. That's what's happening now. And it, it's weird because that was every bit as dominating some of the more lopsided scored mm-hmm. wins over are you, but fans were a little bit underwhelmed because I think everybody's used to these giant numbers and everybody's waiting for JMU to put up a Moorhead state like score to really prove to everybody like, look, the Dukes are back. Well, 
they're not back. They're just different. You know, it's just a different sort of team Mm -hmm. and they're going to win it with really, really strong defense Mm -hmm. and taking what the, what the defense gives them on offense. I thought Johnson was really good. Not just like game manager. I thought he was really good for what the team was trying to do. You know, he couldn't put up flashy numbers. I I thought he wasn't always going to his first read. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was an improvement. He's still not the type of guy who's going to hit guys in stride you know, Mm -hmm. 40 yards down the field, but he was making smarter plays. He looked more confident. Um, He just looked like he had command of the offense. And Mm -hmm. it's kind of a hack thing to say, but the first couple of weeks, even watching on TV, he just looked shaky. He he looked indecisive and that was kind of the knock against him. And it was easy to see why people thought that. So I, I just thought it was really a very effective, but almost underwhelming type thing because it's not these fireworks type numbers. And the other thing I will say is it's very funny where a lot of the chatter online was very complimentary of Mancuso. And I thought deservedly so. Like that mm-hmm. guy was a good quarterback. Um, but everybody's like, man, this guy's got a much better arm than everybody thought. Then you looked at the end of the day, he did nothing. <laughs> no, no. He I mean, scored he six had, points. I mean, I don't yeah. know what, like. And everybody's like, man, that guy's got a good arm. Well, he, a couple broken coverages, but he only completed like eight or nine passes and mm-hmm. over 20 attempts. I mean, they made him look like inept and he's not, he's a good quarterback. Um, so I just, I, I thought it was very effective. I thought it was a, a great victory against a good team. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you corrected me. I was very much doing exactly what I'm complaining about others doing. I was like, what is going on? This offense just seems so like methodical to the point of almost being vanilla. And you were like, well, Richmond's D is damn good and they are they they were terrific the front four especially yeah um but it was never close like were you ever worried no that that's what was i was gonna lose? say the game control in this game there was at one yeah. point when it was 13 to 6 and richmond got the ball back and you're like eh. but that was the only drive of this game where like you know i know where the game was in question where yeah really where yeah. where you felt threatened and that's i first of all rob i like that you slipped in an ru there um <laughs> <laughs> the first part of this. Uh, but yeah, I, I, it, I hadn't thought about the fact that all the way back to Houston thinking like, this is probably what he wanted to do. That's a good way of thinking about it. And it's, it was funny because all the, here we are talking about the ex players and their thoughts on like the CAA and FCS and, you know, bigger picture things, but it's always funny watching them talk about the game because they don't have like they have much more of what you're talking like to them 23 to 6 can be just as dominant as 42 to 7 yeah like they understand sort of that game control mentality and like mm-hmm. who's winning on the you know and and there i did think signetti you know there were a couple of times in this game you know ratke broke the caa record ended up kicking three field goals in this game you know there were a couple times in this game where I wanted them to score a touchdown and put it away, but the right thing to do was kick a field goal and go up nine or kick Mm -hmm. a field goal and go up 10. And that's what JMU did. Right. And the time and situation and score, I thought in the second quarter, they sort of got down to the end of the half. And the smart thing to do was get up by 10, you know, (laughs) and then it obviously at the end of the game, um, you you don't want Harry O'Kelly running fake punts when you're up 40 against William and Mary again. Right. The, The thing to do is, Try to be sporting, maybe give Richmond a chance at the playoffs by not winning thirty to six. That's not what happened, but you know, um, and and not turn the ball over, right? I mean, just I thought JMU. I'm with you. I, I guess for me up front, I, I would say congrats to Radke, but I was thinking about the coaching this weekend, mm-hmm. and I have to say this was the first week. I, 
I've been really excited about excited's a hard word because they've played five games, right? And they've been so intermittent, the games that they yeah. have played. But uh, you know, I've been pl- just pleasantly, not even surprised, like shocked by the pro- productivity of the defense this year and mm-hmm. how much they've limited opposing offenses to you know almost nothing after half times. And again, this week, giving up three points after the half. Uh, I was a little bit nervous going into this game just because I felt like Richmond was more capable and they didn't do anything. And, you know, we'll get to VMI in a second, but what uh, just coaching wise, I'm so impressed with the, the approach this week. It, as you said about, I mean, that's my first point is really about coaching. I also thought they were creative offensively. Mm-hmm. I mean, they clearly had an idea about the gauge package. It's debatable whether it worked or not. Um, they clearly had an idea at the beginning of the game. Richmond was prepared for JMU to hand it to Percy, hand it to Percy, right? Mm-hmm. And JMU came out throwing it like we're Marshall, yeah. <laughs> you know, chucking it. And and it immediately, right down the field, um, you know, so I thought offensively they were creative, even if they didn't always work out, which, again, <laughs> Richmond had a what looked to me to be, you know, first team all CAA level at least defensive end a couple of linebackers this was not a gimme team no they're very good to team. the rest of the season and jamie looked ready to play this week and they certainly looked ready on the defensive side of the ball so i, I just I, i'm hats off to them after another crazy scheduling couple of weeks so i, I don't know that was my coaching was my first thing so what's I, up I next for you yeah. for me next and this is weird because we're heading in the playoffs but mm-hmm. After the big win over William and Mary, which was kind of an overmatch team, but they did what they had to do. You know, you, you destroy the overmatch team. I think Richmond is actually a, a good team. I think in a regular season, Richmond would absolutely be in contention for the playoffs. I think they, they'd be right in the mix with the CA teams, you know, mm-hmm. maybe a seven, eight win team. Um, so the short season really did them in. But to me, like this is right when I would start to think, okay, this is real. This team has potential. This JMU team, they just – you know, they, they picked up that they've played five games and they played, played better five games, in games four and they five. Played, yes. And, yes. And particularly in game five, where it was a yeah. really solid test against a rival, kind of a lot on the line and they just did everything they needed to be. So I would get excited. I'd be like, okay, now, now let's build momentum and close strong. The weird twist is this year. It's like, no, let's go to the playoffs. So, I mean, I, I guess it's, you take what you can get. Um, yeah. I, I would prefer to have another two or three games you know, to really get into gear and to see Cole and take another cu- couple steps forward. But overall, I feel like they've turned the corner and certainly addressed a lot of my worries. Now, I still don't know. I think this year more than ever, it's really almost anybody's almost anybody's chance at this point or anybody's game in this bracket. I think um, there's mm-hmm. probably seven or eight teams that could legitimately win it, and, and I wouldn't be surprised. But I'm confident Jamie is one of them. I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, book your tickets to Frisco. I think that's kind of crazy. And the year we're having, you don't know what's going to happen. And because we are doing so much of this on guesswork, we're basing a lot of this on, hey, they looked really good the past two weeks. Um, But I I think they've got the right to be confident heading in the playoffs. And if they play well, there's every reason to believe they could make a deep run or win it all. That's what I was going to ask you. And and you kind of answered it already is, I I guess, the way I would say it, you know, do you think did this performance do what it did for me, which is this was the first time all year where it started to occur to me. There is a run in this team. Yeah. 
like this, they they could win the whole thing. That doesn't mean they will, right? It doesn't mean they'll they could lose this week. But this was the first weekend I was like, that's the team, <laughs> you know, th- there they are. Like, there's the talent around. I mean, we saw some plays this week, right? Um, I, I thought Wesley McCormick and Torres Carroll both played better in the secondary yeah. this week. We saw Q Reed continue his strong performance. Um, I thought my third down, I guess, I, I, James Carpenter on the defensive line. We've been kind of waiting for someone besides Mike Green, who was his typical dominant self this week, but we've been waiting for someone to someone else in the front to four step to, to step up. And I thought we started to see some of that. Um, yeah, this was the first week where I'm like, ah. and I think also, Rob, I, it's so funny when you brought up the, did the committee members watch games? <laughs> like you and I didn't watch games in the weeks JMU didn't play this spring. No. Right. <laughs> and no, we're not on the committee. <laughs> no, no it, well, I, I get that. But, uh, but um, I, I just, for me, I wonder, I looked around and when you actually see the final bracket and I'm like, wait, all the teams in JMU's little side of the thing didn't play any, they didn't play many games either. Yeah. <laughs> right. VMI played one more game than them. Mm-hmm. North Dakota hasn't played in like a month. Mm-hmm. That's North Dakota, North da- University of North Dakota, UND, UND yeah. um, who plays Missouri State, who has an odd record. They're five and four, but three of those losses were in the fall campaign when they went one and three. So like they've only played five games too. Um, you know, you start looking around, you're like, well, nobody's done much. And I wonder if those ADs on the committee on the weeks their teams weren't playing and they were scrambling for COVID protocols and dorm reassignments and stuff. You, you have to wonder like, did they watch all the football this spring that they should have? Especially when games are on flow and Pluto TV and, yeah, you know, like come on, I don't know. Like, and it's also like a lot of it probably came down to looking at metrics like strength of schedule and things like that. Mm-hmm. But what is that? But what is that in five games? Like I, I, and I know this year we're making the argument that clearly you know it goes against JMU because they're starting to schedule in the seventies. But they would have been better off if they just played fewer games. Like if they didn't have those tune-up victories against Moorhead and Robert Morse, mm-hmm. would their strength of schedule have improved? But it wouldn't have been any more impressive of body work. It would have just been. Yeah less data like we've got a sample size problem here for these strength of schedule situations well yeah. i mean our old pals down at soft houston state who i'm sure we're going to talk about later in this program because that potentially could be a destination for the dukes uh later down the road this season you know they were they had a strong season right they were six and oh played well by all accounts keeler has them going where they want to be they looked not as soft as we have seen them in the past Mm-hmm. But they're hosting Monmouth. Yeah. And they got the number two overall seed. I'm not sure I want 3-0 and Monmouth coming to my first round matchup this year, who blew out Kennesaw a couple weeks ago. But like, so I'm, I'm assuming that Monmouth got downgraded because they only played three games. So like their strength of schedule is, I don't know what it is, right? But yeah, I, I just, there was no logical argument from the guy on TV, the com- committee chair about anything. No, he wasn't. Right, he said good. we looked at the body of work about JMU, but two weeks ago you said they were no, like, <laughs> with the worst like, body of work. Right? Yeah. I, I don't understand. So I, it's, yeah, I'm with you. I, there's very few teams in this tournament this year. I mean, Sacred Heart and Davidson. Is that it for me? Holy Cross. Uh, no, no shout. No, no knock on Holy Cross. But those are the only three of the 16 teams 
Well, Holy Cross only like, played three as well, and they played in a Patriot League that they were just they just outclassed Patriot League. Holy Cross is trending the right direction. I'm, I'm not kidding. Like Holy Cross is the type of team they could pull a Colgate or something like next year, the year after. They got a freshman quarterback. Um, he's mostly run first, but he's very talented. They got a really good recruiting class in there. Um, who got a lot of reps this spring. Like They are going to be one of the rare Patriot League teams that can actually win playoff games in the next couple of years. Yeah, um, I remember um, Brian McLaughlin, I don't know if it was us, or at some point I remember hearing him talk about Holy Cross recruiting this year or last year and how they really were making some leaps and bounds. They've, they've made some inroads. And yeah. my cousin's kid is becoming like the Jimmy Moreland of, of Holy Cross. He's a freshman. <laughs> And I was wondering, I was like, Rob has some inside knowledge yeah. on the Holy Cross program. Oh yeah. yeah. I've been, I've been seeing, I watched the game over the weekend, but um, yeah, he, he's a, uh, he blocked a punt and scored a touchdown, then got his first pick on Saturday. Mm-hmm. So he's playing corner. I mean, it's really following the Jimmy Moreland um, route, but he's really good. He's a, he's a talented player and he's getting a lot of reps, but that's a good team. I, I think they got their work cut out for them this weekend, but that's gonna going to be something different a couple weeks um, are they SDSU? Yeah, yeah they're, they're South, South Dakota, Dakota State. State, number one seed. Yeah. So South Dakota, just so everybody knows, just to set this up, South Dakota State, number one seed. Um, I don't think really any complaints from us. If it mm-hmm. wasn't for the pre-ranking, um, South Dakota State handled North Dakota State this week in the Dakota marker game, uh, beat them by 10 in a pretty convincing fashion. They lost one game this year. Uh, and that was in S- Fargo. Okay, yeah. The game this, over the, the weekend. game this weekend the, was. Game yeah. And the only yeah. game they lost this year was, I think, to SIU, maybe? I can't remember. One of the other Valley teams. Um, no real complaints from us on SDSU getting the, you know, if you want to say they were the best team in the best conference, they probably get the number one seed. I, yeah, I don't, fine. I'm not, you know, we can argue over the number of bids, but I don't think we'd argue over that. Uh, Sam Houston got the number two seed. We'll, we'll get to that. Uh, JMU got the three seed. Uh, probably the most surprising of the top four seeds was Jacksonville State getting the number four seed over Weber. Um, you know, and Weber kind of has you can argue over JMU's placement. And uh, as I don't disagree with JMU fans who are like JMU's been getting a shaft from committees for twenty better part of twenty years, but um, you know, Weber sort of to me they've earned it with their. If we're going to give reputational bids to NDSU and reputational seeds to JMU, it seems like Weber should also have earned it over the over, last four yeah. or five years too. To, to right? at least sneak then, into that four seed. Yeah, where like a school like Sam Houston or Jacksonville State, who really, if anything, they've unearned it. <laughs> you know, like their reputation should should downgrade them. Yeah, <laughs> like know? show me something in the playoffs before. I guess yeah. Houston made Sam Houston made a run. One year, didn't they go to the finals? They did. One they year? go to go to the final one year, um, um, and obviously they've been hanging around for a long time. And I don't. I, the whole thing was just frustrating too because it felt like maybe some of the Southland and maybe teams that played more games during COVID were rewarded. And I don't know if that's like a. I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, on one hand, you have the statistics to say, well, they played more. On the other hand, you. Is that fair to penalize the other teams? The other teams are more cautious or in different states. Right, or leagues were more cautious or states Mm -hmm. were more cautious, right? Yeah, there's a whole lot outside of like whether Mike Green was ready to play, you know, like that went into these decisions this year. So, Rob, I've got a fourth down player I want to highlight. I don't know if you have anybody else you want to specifically shout out from this big win. Mine is just, I'm going to talk about this every week because 
I'm over the moon about Antoine Wells Jr. Mm-hmm. And I know he had one drop this week, but man, I, I started to say it a couple weeks ago. He's a playmaker. He and and he just athletically like that kid. I mean, he's an FCS superstar, mm-hmm. and you know, there's get. I, I'm getting some. You know, I, I know I follow the receiver position more than most others, but but there's some real Jimmy Moreland like freshman year. I mean, there's some big play vibes here from this kid, and and I just he seems like such an outlet. And uh, you know, I thought even the well, that was Bracy on the first throw. By the way, for everybody on the, I don't know what to make of Cole. You you said I think Cole played well this week. Yeah, the first throw he made of the game on third down. I don't know if it's the first throw, but. The first third down of the game, he threw a rope into Bracey. It was probably his best throw I've seen him make this year. And yeah, you know, he didn't lead Thornton enough on the one that might have been a touchdown on the long pass. They made that catch. Um, I feel like we saw Shore, we saw Danucci, we saw Vad do the same underthrowing of like where guys make a catch. And, and sometimes they make it and sometimes they don't. But JMU is scoring 70, so we overlook that stuff. Yeah. And Richmond bowed up and holds us to a field goal, and it becomes frustrating, uh, you know. And they haven't played in three weeks; <laughs> like they haven't played in two or three it's weeks. Tough to have chemistry when you're not getting reps. That's what I was going to say. I mean, I always focus on the special teams. And by the way, I'm I'm as I'm as confused as everyone else on the running back rotation at the moment. Um, we didn't see Keelan Black, who I was all excited and like telling my dad to watch this week. And we I, I don't know, and then. Solomon Van Horst didn't, he wasn't listed on the running back depth chart, but he had a great kickoff return that was negated by a penalty. It, what I was getting to is there were two or three returns, the Schroba return and the Van Horst um, kickoff return. There were a couple big play, potential big plays on special teams that were negated by penalties. To me, that is the rust of not playing for three weeks again. Like mm-hmm. When, I mean, you're talking like guys blocking on special teams. Some of those guys are 33rd, 34th, 35th guy on the roster. And they haven't seen a lot of live action. And, yeah. you know, I was glad, as you mentioned, going into last week's game, now I feel so much more confident about JMU's, the, the way they're going to play in the playoffs. doesn't mean they're going to win. But I am now like excited to go watch them on Saturday. You know, I feel like I've got a, a better sense of what the identity is. They're going to play really good defense, mm-hmm. and they're not going to be a a rush team or a pass team. Like you're gonna, they're going to change it up and try to attack the defense's weaknesses every week. And they're confident enough to know sometimes it's going to be running. Like you said, we thought that they were going to come out and just pound the ball, and they're slinging around the first drive, get out to a lead, and then the game plan changes. They've got like a get out to the lead plan, and then a here's how we hold and hold the lead and close out a game game plan. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's different every week, like, and that's got to make them difficult to prepare for. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, clearly, if you go into it, you think like, oh, well, you know, the, the running backs are the clear strength of this team. Let's take away Cole. I'm sure Richmond thought of that. You know, it's not a very <laughs> difficult <laughs> right, thing, right. but it didn't work. You know, we mix it up, and you've got different weapons. So. I really just think it's a it's a nice like we're going to take what's there or we're going to exploit weaknesses. That's the type of offense they have. It's not the run first attack we all thought it would be. It's not some of the JMU you know throw it to nine different receivers types attacks of the past. It's just like we're going to go in and we're going to see a different sort of offense against VMI than we probably did against Richmond. You mm-hmm. know, ba- based on the type of defense VMI throws out there. So, um, but at the heart of it all, it's defense. 
they're, they're going to try to just shut you down and squeeze the life out of you and then score enough, get out to a lead and hold on to it. Um, but Well, that's a good way to start looking ahead to this week's game. So two o'clock Saturday at bridge fourth. Um, I, I, I think the NCAA has a 25% cap on attendance. So I don't know what that means. Numbers wise, slightly less than this past week, but first of all, incredible. It sounded great on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, it the sounded like a crowd. We're there, yeah. the MRDs, and of course the NCAA will probably nix the MRDs and it's horse crap. And that, that'll be in the ranting later on. But, um, you know, they are hosting VMI, uh, v, uh, Virginia Military Institute, first ever FCS playoff appearance. Uh, they did not win the SOCON since the, quote, FCS came into being. So this is their first SOCON title since like 1980. Uh, that was their first win over their arch rival, the Citadel, in quite some time this weekend. Um, they did make it a little close at the end. Uh, you know, we all have thoughts, good and bad, about VMI. I will say it was very cool to see their players and their fans get to celebrate at home. Um, and, and it is one of the real rewarding things about this season, uh, you know, that getting to see some of these teams, the Davidsons and VMIs get a chance, uh, sacred heart making the playoffs, right? These are not schools we hear about year in and year out. Um, and VMI is no joke, Rob. I'm, I'm interested. I, so they lost their quarterback, Reese Dinsky. They're known for up-tempo offense, the one thing I will say, I've watched a little bit. I tried to watch the highlights of their game this week. There's a lot of like, a lot of this is coached up. And I don't mean that negatively mm-hmm. um, towards the individual athletes or to say that they're not smart. Um, but they looked like a team to me as watched. I got to watch some of the highlights of them playing their SOCON competition this spring. They just looked more prepared, better drilled, better coached, better organized. Um and really creative offensively. Mm-hmm. This is an up-tempo offense, but it's not Alabama or, or Oklahoma, right? It's not like we're just going to roll out Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle, and, you know, <laughs> like you're just not going to stop us here. Would it be fair to say that it's like an up-tempo version of the wishbone, meaning like when people uh, – and hear me out. This is a weird yeah, one. Yeah. But like it's not just a traditional like we're going to get better athletes and then go up-tempo on you. We're going to scheme our way into a more creative attack. Like they used to always have like, you know, VMI, Sidnell, Georgia Tech, school, Navy. If you could not recruit a certain type of athlete, you had to scheme your way to wins. And the way to do that was with the triple option. You're not going to recruit anyone with like triple option nowadays. So you got to come up with some sort of fun way to, to make up for your personnel deficiencies. And I shouldn't say deficiencies. Like it's, yeah, 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 They're very right, talented, but it's a tougher place to recruit. Can we say yes. that? Like it's a tougher place mm-hmm. to recruit. So what are you going to do? You create a fun system that takes takes advantage of the fact that maybe you're not going to have, you know, bigger, stronger athletes at every position, um, but you do it in a different sort of way or modern sort of way. Is that what you're yeah. saying? Like, yeah. I, I thought they actually looked to me like an up-tempo uh, Patriots offense. Okay. So if you think of like classic, you know, non-Randy Moss, Belichick-Brady teams. Well, that's kind of the same thing like, I'm saying, though. Like, you take guys right. that aren't necessarily the best athletes and you skip Yes, a, like a, Edelman, a billion crossing routes trying to get guys to run into each other, um, some screen passes, you know, uh, go trips, you know, that play where you, like, the inside two guys block to the outside and the outside guy comes underneath yeah. and you throw that. And I think this is going to be a fascinating matchup. I... I there are so many things to this. I mean, JMU has been coming together this year. I think this has been a work in progress all spring. 
for a lot of reasons. VMI looks like a team that is, at least in terms of uh, scheme, they are prepared. They are together. <laughs> they have a sense of who they are and what they want to do. They haven't missed a beat since they went to the backup quarterback, Morgan, um, from Udinsky. They... I also think it's interesting, right? Every team that Jamie has played this year, I mean, the CAA, I think we know, and it's not just this spring. It, I mean, this is a CAA thing, but the level that JMU has taken line play to in the last seven or eight years in this conference has forced everyone else in the conference to really think about like, like in the CAA, you have to try to establish the run and you have to stop the run. Mm -hmm. And VMI is not going to try to establish the run at all. Like they're just going to throw it. And that doesn't mean they're throwing it like deep downfield all the time, but they're going to sling it around, right? And the times we've seen JMU, I just, I don't know how to handicap this matchup at all because sometimes JMU struggles a little bit, right? You can make eight yard completions against JMU because of the way they usually play defense. Now, I also assume they're going to make their own adjustments, right? And I have every faith in the defensive staff to get this right this weekend, but I, I just, to me, this is a really interesting one. Well, early in the season, we did see a lot of broken coverages. We did see a lot of soft coverage where guys, we were just like kind of watching Jamie almost concede the eight yard, eight yard mm-hmm. outs and stuff, but then miss tackles. So they turn into mm-hmm. 14 yard gains. Mm-hmm. Um, that could be dangerous. If it's a lot of misdirection and you're running guys in and out and you get confused there, those eight yard ones can go for 20 or 30. You know, guys again. So it's a tough matchup. I think a lot of people are expecting a blowout. Um, I have learned my lesson in terms of overlooking JMU first round opponents. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, after the Colgate situation or, or Liberty, um, I, this kind of reminds me of that. I, I don't think the team JMU is going to be overconfident. Mm-hmm. I actually think the whole seating, you know, not snub, but whatever, going from one to three will help them. Like people are joking like, oh, Signetti's just giving other teams billboard material or he's disrespecting. It's like Signetti was talking to his own locker room. It does not matter. And coaches do not care. It is not a coach's job to worry about how the opponent perceives his team. Coaches do not care about that. They don't care about bulletin board. Everything they do, a good coach, is – for his or her players. Mm-hmm. Um, so Signetti's right. Like they can play with a chip on their shoulder. So I think that's almost an advantage mm-hmm. going into VMI. Um, mm-hmm. there, there is the danger of being the number one overall seed and, oh, we're playing this team from the SOCON that's never been in the playoffs before. Well, they got a wake-up call yesterday. Nobody's mm-hmm. thinking that this is their God-given right to march to Frisco. So mm-hmm. I'm feeling better about it in a weird way because of that, that Me it's too. A, a little bit of a focus. And, College college kids are kids. You know, th- these yeah. guys take it seriously, but there is the opportunity or there is the potential to get too excited and kind of believe your own hype and overlook your opponent. And I think it's a little less when you've got your coach on national television going up there answering questions about why the number one team in the country didn't get the number one seed. Right. Right. Well, n- no thanks to CA. We'll get there. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. uh, this, I also just think this is going to be a funny matchup. I, one thing this weekend I think is really important. I think it's important for JMU to start well on offense the way that Mm -hmm. they did this week against Richmond. This is not a game, you know, VMI can move the ball. I I don't know what that means in terms of their, I'm not going to sit here and say like, oh, they're definitely going to score 28 points or, you know, Jamie needs to score some certain number to win. I don't know anything. You know, I can't 
predict that far. But I do feel like this is the kind of game, if JMU can get in the lead, then they can, you know, perfect scenario for Signetti would be get the lead, run the ball, yeah. right? And grind this team down. And in the second half, we see a lot of Percy and a lot of Latrell, you know, running downhill over a smaller, slower team, yeah. uh, you know, as the game wears on. But if they fall behind in this game, and they have to sling it around, then that kind of, to me, plays into VMI's hands a little bit and makes this more interesting. And I do think with VMI's offense throwing the ball so much, you know, they're going to trick, you know, we've seen for JMU, like they're probably, this is going to be an interesting matchup chess, p- chess match wise because they're going to trick JMU a couple times. But, but they're going to they, have a couple big plays, but just how yeah. big are they? Big plays for touchdowns or big plays for, I don't know. I feel like 20 yards for like down. 20, 30 yards. Yeah. yeah. Right. But if they, and if VMI isn't perfect, you know, they played Citadel this weekend. I was watching the highlights. They played Western Carolina. They played Wofford. These are not schools that are, none of those schools are known for Ohio State transfers and North Carolina mm-hmm. transfers either. And at some point, if you make a mistake against Wayne Davis and Greg Ross, that's a different. You better not make that mistake. Yeah. Like there's the potential for JMU to make some big plays this week too. And that's what I think to me, it's like if that big play comes in service of a game that JMU is mostly controlling, that's a really good sign for JMU. If that big play is sort of necessary, you know, to get back in the game or keep JMU in the game, that's the thing we want to avoid here. Um, so I, I don't know what to, to make of it. I, I, I'm looking forward to watching a little bit more of VMI this week, hoping to, you know, think about this week. It's a fun matchup. Uh, you know, it's cool. I, I You know, we, we we interacted a little bit with some VMI super fan this week. Uh, you know, I don't know. It's cool for them, right? They're excited. Uh, clearly for them, this is, you know, and that's the other thing. I don't know what to make of this, Rob. Are they happy to be here? Are they happy they won the conference, right? They rushed the field this weekend when they won the game over Citadel. Now that's beating a rival, winning the conference, all those things. And now they're coming to bridge forth, right? Now they play at, you know, Chattanooga and, you know, they, they, it's not like they haven't been places to play VMI. They play at UVA and stuff occasionally and tech and, you know, they do what, you know, but I don't know. I don't, at the same time, they, they haven't played anybody like JMU this spring. So I, I just, I, I don't gotta imagine this is a big deal. I mean, this That's is what this I is think. A, I think it's a yeah. big deal. It seems and like I'm not from their fans' that, like, perspective, it's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's and Virginia they, Military Institute. It's mostly, it's people stay in Virginia. It's very kind of a state-centric thing. Yeah. They understand that JMU is kind of the big dog in the FCS world. And mm-hmm. kind of like, like you said, the flag, the flag situation is different neighborhoods. That's, that's something you notice. If you're VMI and you're always kind of proud of your school, I mean, that's a yeah. very proud sure. alumni alumni fan base but to get a chance this is probably a dream scenario actually not only do you get to go to the playoffs but you get to go to a drivable road game you get to play a game where you're almost guaranteed to have friends from the school Mm -hmm. you know like i I venture to say most people most vmi grads went to high school or are friends with jmu grads um i would venture to say most people that went to school in richmond or virginia beach have friends from jmu and vmi it's a little different up in nova um, VMI isn't as big of a presence, but yeah, I think this is a big deal. And, and I don't think we're being cocky by saying that. Like, I think it's fun to play kind of in state. Oh, I'm excited that, about it. Know? I mean, uh, personally, I'm excited. It, it means more 
to a lot of JMU fans, then it certainly means more than like ETSU coming to town or Moorhead State or, yeah. you know, like I, I'm not knocking those and programs. In a normal either, year, I would be very, very excited for a playoff matchup with VMI because of all these state reasons. I just think it'd be really cool. I would I'd love to see this continue. I'd be for a regular season matchup with VMI. I'd love to see their success continue. Yeah. I think it's better yeah. for FCS and it's better for FCS in Virginia. Well, and JMU fans, we need to get the tickets this week. Order your tickets. Go to the game. Um, I, I just... I have a feeling that if there are any leftover tickets the way there were last weekend, um, there are going to be VMI fans who would like to attend this game. Mm-hmm. So um, scoop these up while you can. I, I certainly hope to see a lot of students. I did see the students are getting free tickets this week, which is great. I, I hope um, hopefully there can be a home field advantage despite the NCAA's best efforts. Uh, Rob, we should look ahead a little bit to the bracket. I don't want to jinx, you know, we're not trying to jinx anything, but it is fun to always look at the bracket. A lot of times this time of year, we have Brian or Sam or somebody on to sort of project the field. Uh, we decided to have Sam last week because it felt more interesting with the craziness of spring bubble and everything else. Uh, you know, so, and, and big thanks to Sam for that last week, but there are some interesting matchups here, right? Jamie would get, if they beat, VMI, the winner of JMU VMI will get, JMU would host either Missouri State or North Dakota. And we will get a real shot at all these Valley fans who are so proud of themselves for North Dakota State's success (laughs) over the last 15 years. Have you seen some of the arguments talking about ultimate coattails here? Oh my gosh. Like, (laughs) you know, if you look at it, the Valley's won eight of the last 10, but like, whoa, 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 North Dakota CA has only won. I mean, that's, that's like the AFC East taking credit for the Patriots. You know, it's just, it's (laughs) like the the Dolphins are out there running their, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, being like, oh, Kansas City fans, you ain't got nothing. Us AFC's fans, where it's at. It's just such a weird argument. Like, it's such a, especially when in the CAA's case, you've had like, what we've said, like seven different teams. I don't know, JMU, Delaware, Richmond, Villanova, Towson, for crying out loud, has been in the national championship game in the last like 10 years. Like, yeah, it just, uh, you know, Yeah, it would be fun. That would be a fun quarterfinal matchup. Rob, I did want to point out one interesting thing about the quarterfinals, and this is what I really, really, really want. I've gone from like being a little indifferent on the spring season to now I really want JMU to make a run. And one thing I could say is the quarterfinals, I don't know if you noticed this, but there are two games Saturday and two games Sunday. So this weekend's games in the round of 16 are all on ESPN3. JMU plays at 2 o'clock. Uh, the following week, the two Saturday games, which on a very personal level, I would have a great opportunity for a, uh, a trip to that game, um, on Saturday are on ESPN three, but there are two Sunday games on May 2nd, which would be horrendous for my personal schedule at 6 PM and 9 PM on ESPN two, which is great because the semi, this is what I was going to say is. This is going to pick up steam this spring with football fans. Like there is going to be exposure in a way I think that the FCS has never seen. Sunday night, May 2nd, Mother's Day, after the day of feasting and or no, that's the next weekend. But you know, Sunday night, May 2nd, there is going to be two FCS playoff games on television on ESPN2. 
And then the following week in the semis, the two games, one is on ABC and one is on ESPN2. And then the title game is on ABC on a Sunday. And a little later in the day, I think it's at 1 Eastern, so 1 or 2 East. It's a little later than the normal awful Frisco 11 o'clock start. So you're competing with They're competing with with all kinds of things. NASCAR, probably PGA. But if you get to the matchups we hope to see, and one, I mean, weirdly to say, one nice thing about a 16-team tournament is we're likely to see, you know, like anybody in the top 10 of this tournament will make for compelling semifinal final matchups, basically. Um, but I was really excited. I, I know it, it would be bad for me personally, but man, if you got a 6 p.m. Sunday game on ESPN2, that's pretty that's cool. Pretty like that would be pretty fun. Now, I don't know. I mean, the 9 p.m. probably goes to one of the Western teams. Uh, so JMU would play. JMU's half of the bracket also has Sam Houston is the number two seed. I love this Eastern Washington going to NDSU to the Fargo Dome this week, three thirty. That, that's I mean, right out of the shoot, that's a good one. That's, that's you a good know, game. With the winner probably going to Texas to Sam Houston. So I mean, one thing's for certain: NDSU may have gotten a break by getting in the field. They did not get a break. Like their no. road will be legit. They play. There's no breaks. There's Eastern's, no breaks in here. Like who? No. Whoever wins this will have, I mean, forget all those asterisks spring season by winning this playoff bracket. It is, it legitimizes the whole thing. There are no easy outs in these 16 teams. No. And there's no easy path. I mean, there's, there's easier. I think the JMU half, the JMU is is more difficult, but that does not mean that the the top half is easy by any stretch. No. And I mean, again, no, no shots at Monmouth, but the bottom half of JMU's side of the bracket so the potential semifinal matchup is either JMU having to go to Texas to Sam Houston with the biggest chip on their shoulder that any JMU team has ever carried with them yeah. into a road game, right? Since at least the Fargo Dome, this, at least this side of the Fargo Dome, right? <laughs> um, it's either that or potentially JMU hosting Eastern Washington. Don't get me wrong. That would be a really fun matchup mm-hmm. to host in Harrisonburg. Or the Bison. Yeah. I mean, a potential semifinal at Bridgeforth, finally getting them to come here. I mean, wouldn't yeah, it just kill pretty, you, though, to not have the full capacity like that? It really would. That one's the one that's really, really going to hurt in that way. I, it frustrates me no end. The uh, Because the, you're right. And, and fans. Because they would travel right. too. Like, that would be such an. Uh, again, like, they could play just... that at Charlottesville. They could play that at Tech. And. I mean, they could sell 50,000 tickets to that game like in a regular year. Yeah. Like, it would be awesome. It, it would and be I think, like, I you, think, it I would think be Bison the biggest game since App State, right? And we had, there were a bunch of JMU diehards that went to Fargo, yeah. but there would be more Bison fan coming to JMU. I think there is that kind of mutual respect. And I think they would like the opportunity to. And let's And be hell, honest. on May, in. Early May, yeah, I was gonna say let, let's this would be like a no, no brainer. Right? Go to Shenandoah National Park or, Park, or go out. I mean, Skyline Drive. You're doing this, yeah. and we've seen the. It's Red a little Buds more attractive than Fargo was in December. Well, don't get me wrong. I'm excited to potentially have Harrisonburg, the Valley on ESPN two slash ABC in the mm-hmm. springtime. Yeah, I mean, I know we've seen a lot. Of, we love our cold weather, snowy, rainy, awful, windy games in December. 
but it would be a, you know this would be a showcase for everything JMU getting to post in the second week of May, right? Yeah. Um, Get some airtime for our boys from Mossy Creek. Little, yeah, little. oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then Rob and I said, so the other side of the bracket, uh, SDSU host Holy Cross. I have no idea what the weather's going to be like in Brookings, South Dakota this week. Um, Weber is hosting Southern Illinois. Weber, I mean, South Dakota State got the number one seed in the tournament, and they get Weber in the quarterfinals. Like, have fun with that. That's <laughs> like, what I'm saying. Like, there's, like, there's you win no this easy... one, you deserve it. You deserve it. Big time. Right. And Delaware, who I think draws a favorable matchup this week with Sacred Heart, uh, um, they go to Jacksonville, Alabama the following week. Um, you know, I, I don't imagine that's an easy trip against a bunch of former last chance you and future NFL prospects, <laughs> you know, like, um, and then they potentially go to Brookings, uh, you know, and Delaware is oh, good. The though. idea I, I, of, like we said, JMU against any of those teams, JSU, Delaware, South Dakota state Weber. I mean, the potential, if they got to Frisco and played one of those teams, that's a fantastic fun time. Well, after the past couple of years of kind of, you know, just expecting Jamie to go to the playoffs and expecting Jamie to cruise through the first round and seeing a lot of the AQs and just kind of bad matchups, you kind of just fade out and you do nothing or I did nothing but look ahead and be like, okay, what's the path to NDSU or who do they face in the semifinals? Right. Yesterday I was looking at it and I was like, man, this is a really cool bracket. Like if you're a football yeah. fan, even a casual fan, you're like, man, this is a bunch of heavy hitters. I mean, it it feels more like a March Madness bracket than a typical FCS one where like you look at it and you're like, man, there are so many fun potential matchups here and there's so many good teams. That's uh, part of that is just the weird nature of this year and 16 teams versus 24. But it's just, it's a better number. We just got to say, like Sam told us last week, they're never going to drop drop back down, but it really is better. The, the difference between 24 and 16 is night and day. And not having the buys is great because then you get these weird matchups where you say like, man, that's a tough draw for a top seed, but it makes for fun football. Like there's going to be upsets. You know, we're, we're going to see. That's what I'm like sitting here and I'm saying like, yeah, somebody's going to. Somebody's yeah. going to lose. Some a good Like a, Davidson a team... could go to Jacksonville State this weekend and win. Like, it's not yeah. 100% out of the question, right? VMI could come to Harrisonburg. Certainly, Monmouth could go to Sam, and they could be out right, <laughs> right now. You know, like, Weber, could, Weber could lose. I mean, like, anybody could lose. Oh, yeah, they play lose. Southern Illinois. Yeah, yeah, yes. they play the angry Salukis who just were so angry about everything. And, and, and apparently, their anger paid off in getting them in the playoffs. But I'd have um, to think that South Dakota State is the closest thing you have to a lock, but... I'm. I already talked about Holy Cross. Not, yeah, I already talked about Holy Cross. And we don't I don't know a darn thing about Holy Cross. Who's three you don't know. You know they've got a giant chip <laughs> on their shoulder, and they feel right. like everybody disrespects the Patriot League. We only played three games, and they're playing with house money. They got a chance to go knock off number one seed. Like, oh, let, let's be UMBC. Right. Uh, it's there's always a chance, and that's big and news. You they do that this weekend. That doesn't rise to the level of a UMBC knocking off UVA, but you better believe that's going to get a lot of sports center time. And, you know, that's a big deal. That's a program changing victory if Holy Cross oh, yeah. can pull it off. Well, and, and regardless, like we said, I mean, even if the eight quote, quote favored teams win this week, that would be great for next week, too. Yeah. Right. We'd start getting into some real heavy hitter mm-hmm. matchups that are fun for fans of this level. And by the way, speaking of sports center, Rob, did you see 
Yes. The, the Villanova, Villanova, yes. Villanova quarterback. Yes. And then Patrick Mahomes retweeted. <laughs> like, I don't know. If, if you haven't seen the Villanova play, go find it right now. Don't don't watch this because it's the most It was insane. number one play on SportsCenter yesterday on top 10 plays. And it is kind of it, – it is a I, – I watched it like 15 times to try to like really figure it out. It took me three times to, to actually see the ball. figure out what happened. Yeah. And then it took me like 10 more – to think about like, is this pure luck? Is this an effort? Like, is like there was a some intention in this. Oh, Smith Smith himself retweeted today. He's like, to answer your question, no, it was not a fumble. And yes, I was trying to throw it. And I believe yeah, him. I mean, it was fourth down and they were down to score. Yeah, so he had to yeah. throw it. So there was like intention. It was really fortunate that it went where it did, but and that the other kid was even still paying attention to the ball. Yep. Like that's what I couldn't believe. Like that's a that great the kid point. who caught it was still because I was not really still paying it. The first time I saw it, I was like, "Where? Did, how did the ball get there?" <laughs> well, that's a great point because you. I know, like you played receiver in high school, yeah. so I'm sure yeah. you're you're trained to always look yeah. for the ball. But your natural instinct when you see your quarterback flipping down like that, your eyes are to go down. And to stop thinking about catching and start like running towards your guy. But to know, stay in the end zone with your hands up and be prepared when it came there. That's a great point. Like it's actually a really good catch. Well, I don't know if you ever heard that Harold Reynolds story about Bo Jackson when with the Reynolds got thrown out at the plate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And the catcher had started to walk off the field. Yeah. So it was a tie game and Reynolds was on second. He thought he was going to score easily on the double to the left. Mm-hmm. And Bo throws home. On a, like like the most insane throw of all time, yeah. and the catcher had already taken his mask off and had to like dive back in to get the ball and make the tag for the out. But, yeah, that was the kind of thing where like you're like, I can't believe some of the other players didn't like turn their yeah. head and be like, ah, oh, no, screw that's, it. That's, looked, that's an excellent point. Yeah, that, <laughs> so that they a, didn't just all mail it in or, or head off to yeah. the sidelines. So I, for all of our yelling about the playoff bracket we're excited for this weekend i'm excited to watch this weekend rob i you know playing vmi is more enticing than playing davidson or monmouth or you know colgate some of the other first round matchups we've had over the years yeah because it's somewhat local so look good luck to this team i am very you know i'm not even cautiously optimistic i'm just optimistic at this point um i just hope they don't have a lay a turd like we always hope in the playoffs right yeah, I mean, it, you know, VMI could play the game of their life and win this game. There's no doubt. Uh, but I just don't want it to be because JMU messed it up. And I'm a little bit, I'm very encouraged by the performance this week against Richmond that the players are like, oh. And I did think this this weekend, and you watch it with the selection show, Rob, I think a lot of these players across this bracket are going to be like, oh, there's a trophy on the line now. Like, you always yeah. say flags fly forever, right? They're, all of a sudden, it's like, We've been through this crazy season. We've been through this crazy year. But now, like, for the first time, it's like, this isn't hypothetical. <laughs> like, here's the bracket. If you get to Frisco, you win the thing. <laughs> you know, you... I think that also has something to do with the players being very vocal about the CA giving Delaware the auto bid. I think it speaks go. to how much, as a player, you value those conference championships. You know, as fans, we've tended we kind of take them for granted when it comes to football. I think we get excited in other sports because sure. it's a big deal. But but Jamie football is in a level where it's like, hey, you know, Frisco's the goal, not championship. But for a player, winning a conference championship is a really big deal. You know yeah. that that's do they get rings? I mean, they get something, but 
Um, that's well, they like, certainly that, have that's the what, banner at Bridgeforth when you come back, right? It yeah. sits there in the Conva or the You're new arena. You're a champion, and, and, and yes. it speaks to the whole grind and everything. So I think that's a much bigger deal to them than any of us realize. Um, yeah, I think so too. And yeah, I mean, <laughs> okay, we'll get that one out of the way. I, the CAA got too clever by half on itself this weekend. They tried to, you know, and we didn't blame them on Saturday when they, like, and to be honest, I can't even blame them like on a pure statistical basis. Like there was a lot of like, oh, they hate JMU. Uh, no, they don't. Was, like, why didn't they just say like the team that plays the most conference games? They had a half if, game if lead. If there's a tie in winning percentage, then the team that played the most conference games will win the tournament. They didn't need to they didn't get themselves to in trouble vote. this way. Yeah. Right. They didn't need to have this vote that made it all. And, and honestly, if I'm a neutral voter, I would vote for Delaware too. Because they played a harder, more diverse schedule than JMU did this spring. Well, if you don't, if you don't, you're the Big Ten. We're just saying we want Ohio State. You know, so Correct. it's it's more logical. Delaware, they four and is better than three and Case right. closed. That right. should have been in the tiebreakers. It shouldn't have come to a vote. That's what I thought was a clown show. I've yes. got no and problem yet, with the ultimate decision. Right. And yet the CAA had the no, they did they didn't do the Ohio State thing, which the Big Ten absolutely did the right thing this year by protecting their playoff interest, right? By making sure that Ohio State was set up to go to the playoff, like was well positioned to give the Big Ten the best chance they could have at the national championship. Right. And JMU was the number one team in the nation all year. And then all of a sudden they didn't their own conference voted them second place. And it gave the committee you know, at least marginal cover to slide JMU down in the rankings. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, I don't and know. then you get Richmond kicked out because you you voted against JMU, which might have also influenced the the perception of Richmond, who just lost to JMU. Like, I yeah, know, I don't, I just I, I don't like, know about that. I, I actually, I, I <sighs> thought they did the right thing. I, I thought Delaware deserved the the AQ. I did too. And I actually thought I Delaware did. probably deserved to be considered in consideration for a seed. So I approached from the perspective of the, the committee had JMU as number one. So the league was like, well, that's taken care of. JMU won out. They're a seed. We don't need to worry about them. The distinction between the one and three, you got to take care of the other ones. But it just was such a dumb thing. Like it shouldn't, it should come down to a vote. If there's a tie, the tie should not be based purely, purely on winning percentage. This is so easy to go winning percentage plus number of games like in this year you had to know that was a possibility so it's just the league looked unprepared for what was a very predictable situation so yeah. um it just it just felt like you know one of many right and it was interesting to see the ex-players so but we should move on to other sports before we just yell and scream uh rob this was an incredible weekend for jmu yeah. And we got to do an old guys leave roundup uh, brought to you by Homefield Apparel. Uh, Rob, I got to say one thing about Homefield. I am now, these two games that we've been talking about, William and Mary at Richmond, that JMU has played so well in, are the two games since we got our Homefield stuff. Yes. Um, and I've, I've been wearing I've... my yellow Dukes with the purple script Dukes. That will be worn throughout this playoff run. Um, See, I've got an issue. I'm wearing my Homefield Apparel. Yeah. yeah. He, he, Rob's got his Dukes at JMU hoodie with the fighting Duke dog. Um, you can go to Homefield Apparel's website. You can type in the offer code JMU Sports Blog. You get 15% off your entire first order. So even if you want to order Mother's Day presents or Father's Day presents for people who went to other schools, um, Homefield is, has tons of schools. They're adding new ones all the time. 
they have done all the work to like figure out what's cool for the for these schools and it just you should go check it out because it's awesome and some of the jmu stuff is really really hard to find like it's not stuff you're going to find at the outpost and we love the outpost but you know it's really cool and it's fun old logo vintage stuff from previous days and we're excited to work with home field and and i love my shirt it's yeah. soft and nice. It's a type of stuff that it, it causes people to stop and take a second look. So it's it really neat. If you want to have those experiences where you walk around and you see another alum and you get the Go Dukes, you will get that Go Dukes because you will get a second glance because people will check out these awesome designs and realize that's not something I've seen before. They'll give you Go Dukes. They'll say, hey, where'd you get that cool shirt? So Homefield Apparel definitely did their homework, dove deep, understood the culture of every school that they've that they've made apparel for, particularly JMU. It is super, super creative stuff, but with a nod toward the school's history. Top-notch stuff. Couldn't recommend it enough. Yeah. Well, and hopefully we'll get, uh, well, <laughs> you know, other home field people are, every day should be, you know, shut down full cast guys. Uh, by the way, JMU was the first school the, who didn't get to the $1,000 mark in their charity bowl this year <laughs> but pretty good they were like yeah. we were like 946 dollars yeah i know up. I, we've been trying to give we've been trying to do our own thing with duke's mafia um you know we've had some things come up we we talked about uh the stuff for coach powell last week and you know we've been trying to do what we can so i i, I didn't want to you know i didn't have i was a little thin in the charity donation sense uh, but one i enjoyed is they they had put something out about they were being anti-South Dakota State for reasons I won't get into here, um, but they were encouraging donations that were anti-South Dakota State, and uh, so I gave ten dollars to, uh, <laughs> which is the number of turnovers that South Dakota State <laughs> once had, once had on the trip to Harrisonburg, and, uh, and I mean, it's pretty hard to put a double-digit number in the turnover column. <laughs> so, but they did I, it. Well, and by the way, if JMU wins this week and they get Missouri State. That means Bobby friggin' Petrino is coming to Bridgeforth Stadium next week. Oh my gosh. And Rob, we're gonna have to I mean, I don't know if I could do the Jason Kirk voice. Does it if anybody out there knows Jason and the guys from the full cast, tell him he's gotta come on here and do the Petrino voice next week yeah. if we play Missouri State, because I mean Petrino makes Hugh Freeze and Liberty look like a like a like a stand up program. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we're going to have to talk about motorcycle accidents. <laughs> and like, oh, boy. Questionable background, um, that man Needless has. to say, we will have fun if we play Missouri State next week. I have no idea who's favored or going to win that game. Uh, but anyways, thanks to the guys at home field. Rob, big news this week. I had almost, you know, I, we were down on lacrosse last week. JMU women's lacrosse. We, we were giving them a they hard time. the bell this week. Start- yeah. Did they? Did they ever? And uh, they beat number 14 nationally ranked Towson 14-12 over the weekend, won two games this week. Uh, Emma Johnson, one of my favorite players going back to the championship days, you know, caused a bunch of turnovers. She's I saw she's like six caused turnovers away from breaking Haley Warden's record. And, you know, for those of you who followed this team win the championship, that's a big – that'd be a big name to break a record of. Well, I think Haley Warden's playing in that new – that new women's professional league. Oh, cool. All right. Have you read about this? Is this the athletes unlimited or is athletes there another unlimited? Yeah. It's got, really cool. they, mm-hmm. Somebody can, can who's more knowledgeable can look it up, but it's a league where they're going to do showcases every weekend and the players have individual stats and there's like a ranking board and mm-hmm. you accumulate and you can like follow individual 
players versus teams. I don't know, but whatever. Haley's in it. She's one of the players who's already been announced who's going to be participating. So Nice. Well, I was excited this weekend, too. I mean, last week we saw – welcome back, Katie Chikoski. She'd been out a little bit this spring, and uh, you know, you could see the energy that she brought back to this team. And just in general, the names on the – you know, when you looked at who was providing the important contributions this week in that big win this weekend – you started to see some of those names of the young players from the championship team, Charlotte Haggerty, Emma Johnson, Molly Doherty, mm-hmm. you know, Doherty's kind of been great throughout, but I just Haggerty, Johnson, yeah. those were, those were names that were like real contributors. And it felt like they're starting to be real leaders of this program. And mm-hmm. you could see in coach Shelley's comments after the game, she hasn't given up on this team and believes in their potential. So it's a weird season. I will say I, I noticed, you know, North Carolina and Northwestern seem to be like Gonzaga and Baylor of women's lacrosse this year and everyone else. So depending on where you set up in the bracket, I don't think there's, you know, if JMU could win the CAA tournament, they go, they play William and Mary this week on Friday uh, and then the CAA tournament the following week. If they could get the bid, there's other than those two teams, there's nobody else that like is blowing away the competition this spring. So It'd be interesting to see. Rob, softball swept Elon. Uh, their one loss from earlier. They're now 22-1. and one. Needless to and say, ranked. They, and ranked. They avenged the, uh, the, that one um, by sweeping softball. The most encouraging thing this week, as they get ready to go to Longwood on Wednesday for a doubleheader, hopefully if it's not raining, is they got CeCe Alexander and Alexi Bermudez, Alexis Bermudez in the circle this week for some wins and some real innings. And I felt like we hadn't seen Alexander as much. I mean, she'd been driving in runs and stuff, but they've been relying on Alyssa Humphrey so much in the circle. And as we've seen in past JMU softball postseason runs, uh, you can't do it with one pitcher. No. And, it, you know, to have three of them potentially contributing, that could be a real uh, – you know, just to, I mean, that could be the difference between Gives you some making the tournament and making a run. Yeah. Yeah. Um, especially the way we know softball with the, when they get in the NCAA tournament, they have the double elimination format and you end up playing two games on a day. <laughs> you know, it, it's not every day that you have Megan Good in the circle, you know, to go like 78 innings in one day or whatever, you know. So, yeah, that was encouraging performance from softball. Rob, I guess the biggest news of the week is men's soccer. Like we said, I mean, two wins in PKs. How did I bury them to third? Two wins in PKs. They win the CAA tournament. Uh, They are undefeated for whatever that's worth. I mean, well, they haven't lost um, in soccer. They've got one draw, right? Well, now they have technically three draws. Three draws because overtime wins. PKs. Yeah, but um, both beat Drexel and Hofstra in PKs. They had a, like a third, what did they have? They were like nine or ten deep in the first shootout. Mm-hmm. Um, I think TJ Bush, the goalkeeper, took a shot or, or scored a goal. Right? I mean, yeah, they they uh. He's been outstanding, by the way. Well, that's the thing, and I, yeah. Rob, I'm, you know, the bracket came out today. JMU, all of the games for the men's soccer tournament. I can't explain. I have no idea how they came up with the number of teams in this tournament. It's essentially like a half of a March Madness tournament, so like a 32-team, but there's actually 36, and there's some play-in games. JMU is not in the play-in games. Uh, they 
all of the games this year are being played in and around the Raleigh-Durham area, Cary, North Carolina. So Wake Med Soccer Park, where the Carolina Courage play in the NWSL. So all the teams are going there in one of these like bubbles that's not a bubble. That's, <laughs> I don't understand. Regardless, it's pretty good for JMU because I feel like that's an easy trip for them that they make often. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just down the road from Elon. It's It's certainly not you know, there are teams that are going to be traveling from all over the country. I mean, it's, that's a weird trip to come from Stanford and stay in Cary, North Carolina for two or three weeks. Uh, you know, like it is a weird trip, right. For some of these teams. Um, but Jamie plays central Florida in the first round in a, I don't know what to say, a matchup of like not future conference mates. teams. Well, yeah. Future conference mates. Yeah. Yeah. But these are teams that are not long shots. These are legit nationally ranked Mm -hmm. contenders who just aren't in the like top four, top five in in the nation seeds, but they're going to be dangerous. And if they win that game, they would get number two seed pit in the second round. Um, ACC regular season champions lost in the ACC tournament. And uh, Rob, what you said, these tournaments, you know, if, if it goes to a shootout with the goalkeeping that Jamie has, yeah. I mean, we know, I, I just feel like JMU has the ability, if they get a goal, they can park the bus yeah. and rely on their defense. And if they don't get a goal, like, I just feel like they can play such a... Well, didn't, didn't he just set the program record for shutouts? Yeah, and I think they yeah. said he's like number one, he's the number one goalkeeper in the tournament in terms of shave percentage. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I just feel like that gives them the ability to like really kind of be choosy about when to press and when to take their chances. Yeah. definitely opens up different tactical approaches. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously they could lose to central Florida mm-hmm. next week. It's not this week. It's the following week. Um, you know, and don't get, don't let the two shootout wins fool you from this weekend. They were, I saw that they're they in the finals. They had their like, advantage pretty. Yeah. They doubled up. The shots and had 13 yeah. corner kicks like they clearly had the pressure seemed to control the game and didn't convert that's not what you want but uh it, i mean there is nothing i mean the men's tournament the teams are all good it's a sport with not much scoring you know everything could happen from jmu losing to ucf to jmu winning that like going to the final four like yeah. every part of that seems conceivable uh, really excited for this team so that was big news Women's golf, we talked about them last week. They won the CAA. They do. It's not this weekend. They go May 10th through 12th to the NCAA tournaments. I, uh, I did see the Golf Channel carries the selection show, which is kind of cool, April 28th at 2 p.m. So that will be kind of cool. I guess there's like four regionals. There will be four like different places you could end up getting sent to go play. Uh, oh. Like different like courses like in the country. Model? Yeah, like, kind yeah. of. Uh, yeah. And I don't know that it's like team – like the – Courses are already chosen. So it's not, it may be like hosted by the Pac 12, but it's not like, oh, you have to go to UCLA. I mean, it's golf. You, you go yeah. wherever, right? You go so, whatever uh, it is in Southern California course. Yeah. I mean, those are the big ones this week. It's crazy because there are other things. Women's tennis is going to the CAA tournament this week with a chance to, a very good chance to win again. Uh, good luck to them. Which would technically be a repeat. Yeah. Even after the game. Field hockey. One again over Northeastern. Um, they're going to the CAA tournament this weekend, only a four-team tournament. So they've got a real shot. And that leaves out like track and field, who's hosting the CAA tournament. Uh, 
next weekend, not this weekend. So they've got, yeah, they've got another week late next week. Track and field will host uh, women's track and field. And then Rob, we didn't even talk about, we, we really don't have time to talk about, but men's basketball, we once again said the transfer portal, portal works both ways. And uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's been some a exciting couple solid additions. Yeah. Um, so it, it seems it's interesting to though, what they're going to do. It, they seem to be having a very guard, guard centric approach and mm-hmm. that's fine. Particularly at the mid-major level, there isn't a, a tremendous number of big men uh-huh. as we saw, like I, I wish men so well, but that didn't really work out. It's tough to get a guy with serious size. So mm-hmm. very guard heavy offense, but they're picking up some guys that can shoot the rock and that's really what you need. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly in the CAA, if you, if you're shot makers, look at what William Mary did for a couple of years, making deep runs or certainly, Hofstra, very good shooters this year. So I'm excited to see what it's going to be. I'm expecting more transfers coming in, but um, I don't know. It's more good news for, for Jamie Hoops. I, I think it's been mm-hmm. more in than out. Is that fair to say from your perspective? I think talent-wise, yeah. they've, they're on the uh, – let's yeah. I, the I, plus think, I feel, as I feel, much I feel like okay Christmas, with, yeah. the, with the trades they've made in the transfer portal. I mean, as as much as we liked Christmas as a role player, mm-hmm. the guy went to Longwood. It's yeah. not like it's not a situation. Right. He, didn't, like, he didn't transfer to NC State here. Yeah, he didn't. <laughs> I mean, like it was, I'm yeah. sure he'll do very well. He'll probably yeah. play a lot of minutes. He'll probably average big numbers. But yeah, it's. I, I think it's a net positive so far. No, this wasn't Charles Cook going to Duquesne. No, like, you know, or kind Dayton. Of yeah. Dayton. Yeah. Um, yeah, and. Um, Another interesting, I, I did, I did is going to be funny, Rob, for, you know, we're all pretty, pretty high on coach B right now. So there's no reason to doubt anything, but, you know, I did notice today that one of the other names from really, I think we, we, we'd have to assume one of the real finalists for the JMU job last year was Mike Jones from Radford, uh, who did get scooped up to replace Wes Miller at UNCG. Oh, I didn't so, see that. Yeah. Good so, um, good for him. I, I saw Nikki tweet some congratulations and, you know, exciting for him, a guy who played at Howard and has been around this area for a long time and, uh, you know, good luck to him. And, and, and it will be funny to watch UNCG who's been a program. I think that JMU is, they'd really like to be, you know, to do what UNCG has done the last three or four years, which is every other year be in the tournament, <laughs> you know, out of this kind of a league. And uh, it'd be funny to watch this too. I'm, I'm sure they'll be recruiting against each other. So that'd be good. Yeah. So I don't have a lot else. I want to rant a little bit before we rant. We should be kind. Uh, Rob, I'm probably going to say this wrong, but I, we did get called out. We didn't get called out. We just, uh, I got educated a little bit on Twitter by our old friend, Tim, um, today about the play, not the plight, but the situation at JMU with relation to Muslim students at the school. And it made me think about it because I wondered if there, we had any on the football team. This month is Ramadan. Mm-hmm. And I, I learned today, I'm probably going to mispronounce this and I apologize, but we're supposed to say Ramadan Mubarak. It's like blessed Ramadan. It's a way of showing support. And I had it was an interesting conversation I thought got started today online about you know, what I had not thought about. And it, it, this COVID year has brought it up is you know, people fast during this month. And what impact does that have on their studies and to some extent, maybe their athletics. And I actually wondered that about football. I don't know if there are any Muslim players on the team, but we've never had a football playoff during this month before. Right. And that would be quite the challenge to a high level athlete 
to, you know, to manage that. And, um, you know, it was, a, it was, I thought a really productive conversation. The woman who started at Farrakhan, I think is a maybe 2004 graduate. It was just about like, well, there was no support or encouragement or advocacy when I was there, but I love JMU and I'm more just trying to point out, I'd like them to do a little more. And like, we recognize all of these other traditions at JMU and, and we have holiday things and we get messages and, you know, this is really important. Um, and, and it was a very, like, I, I found it refreshing because it wasn't just like complaining. It it's was, also a month though. Like it, it is a month. Correct. It, it's a month. And that's, yes. but I mean, like that makes so it difficult. It, it yeah. makes, no, no, no. I'm oh, saying, yeah. That means it's more worthy of consideration sure. to, to do yes. things yes, like this isn't like, Oh, we messed up Rosh Hashanah. Oh, we didn't have special meals. Like just extending the hours of the dining halls or things like that's that. That's what this was do. like. Could yeah. we like, if we're going to have, uh, you know, finals come up during this time, could we have like a pre-dawn breakfast available, you know, kind of thing, or, or just a, maybe a day when we offer some stuff. I, I, I found it refreshing because she wasn't coming from a place of like just complaining or being angry at JMU. She was actually coming from a place of like, I love JMU. I'd like to see them do better today than they did 20 years ago. And here are some suggestions for like some actual productive suggestions that wouldn't cost that much to maybe make this happen. No, I'm right there with you. I thought she was particularly impressive um, with the way she was so positive because you do have a right. I mean, if I was in that situation, I would not be so eloquent. I probably not would be so, would not be so positive, but she was very much like, Hey, here's some, some good tips, some things I've been thinking of. And I had a great experience. This would have made it all that much better. Um, I don't know if, were you living in the house we, when we lived with Omar? I mean, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I really got an education in that. Like, I had no idea. I went to Catholic oh, school. I didn't pay life. attention at all. And then, and then, like, it was so. God, it was, I mean, but it's a Omar, challenge lived, for a college student to to yes practice any religion with sincerity, right? <laughs> Most of us, right? I mean, so yeah. But you know, I mean, Omar was not the um, no least he lazy was a guy. Paragon of virtue, right? <laughs> no, no, he was not, not the least. Lazy. Lazy. He was not uh, the first. Well, he was. Yeah. He was pretty lazy. I mean, he's <laughs> probably the smart, one of the smartest people we've ever known, and brilliant in his own right. But there's a reason he went to med school five years later than he should have, you know, because he kept forgetting to turn off cages. And now he's probably going to cure cancer and right, so on right. and so forth. But he was not one to hit, you know. To, to hit the alarm early, except no. in Ramadan, I remember him having to get yes. up before the sunrise and rush to D Hall, and then I remember him rushing back like at night, like trying to get there as timing it so after the sun went down he could just, you know, eat everything. It was really tough, and he didn't have a lot of sympathy from the rest of us in the room. No, we were, no, we were not like a very, we were not a woke population yeah. <laughs> at the time. No. Um, but it was interesting to, to see how he handled it. And I, I mean, I respected him for many reasons, but I really grew to respect him even more to see him do that year in and year out. Um, yeah. So no, I, I know what you're talking about. I just casually glanced at that. You know, I wasn't on Twitter all day yeah. today, but I did see that before he started. And I thought that was very impressive and really eloquent way. It was addressing something with that is, you know, clear solutions. She offered some very clear. Yeah, that's what solutions. I thought was like, Hey, just, you know, if we're going to put out videos for everything else, maybe this is a chance to put out a video here and have bagels or whatever, you know, like it wasn't like the biggest thing. And it, and it definitely came from a place of love for JMU, which I, for me personally, for us, what we've done all these years. Well, even more importantly, I think it it came from a place of love for her own religion and culture, which I thought was really neat. But it also didn't come from a, like, I'm being angry about this, right? (laughs) Like we've had enough of like, 
if you want to be angry at JMU, you can find things to be angry at. And speaking of, (laughs) I have no fault with JMU today, but I have so many faults with so many things. First of all, the Missouri Valley got four at-large bids. Out of the six six available. Are you freaking kidding me? Southern Illinois, who, I don't know. It's just on one hand, we talk about athlete safety and COVID and we're going to do what's best for the student athletes. And then on the other hand, we're going to reward the team who schedules the last minute and plays the most games. We're not going to count fall games for some teams, but for other teams, other teams, they count. I, I don't even know. I mean, the Valley, just there's no reason to say that it just didn't feel like a year when it, if you're going to have six at large bids, don't give four to one conference yeah. and, and don't do it. Cause NDSU lost the last week, like make the hard call, knock somebody out. You know, I'm not advocating for that to be NDSU. I just, I, I would be cool with it being, NDSU. I, I would have been cool with it. Yes. But that was crap. I mean, the, the guy, the chairman, his like explanation for JMU's body of work, it's like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, like you, can, you can only beat the teams on your schedule. Yes. I mean, that, that's like, and this year, JMU was hamstrung. Mm-hmm. Let's not even make it about JMU. Let's just cast JMU aside for a second. Yeah. Jacksonville it, State got a seed. Yeah. Weber didn't get a seed. They seem to value, though, like these losses against the mighty NBC teams don't count because in some weird world, these teams were so good if they were playing lesser teams from other conferences, then they would have won. And it's yeah. like, okay, that's some spaghetti logic. But then yeah. at the same time, they're discounting these actual wins by actual teams that actually played in these other conferences because, oh, well, they're not that good. It's like, wait, so you're saying a hypothetical victory in the Pioneer League or in the SOCON counts more than a real victory in the SoCon yes. League. Like it just it doesn't make any sense. Like at a certain point, when you have a situation where humans are making decisions, and whether it be a ranking or bid, you need to make a call and you need to say, you know what? Five wins is better than three wins. Or or if yeah, not, yeah. then just forget about records. Then just start choosing the best. It just right. it 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 just I understand that some conferences are better than others, but it's not, it, we go through this with the NCAA tournament every year. Like the point isn't to find the 64 best teams in the country. It's the 64 teams that have earned the right to play for a national championship. That's right. And sometimes you do that through an automatic qualification. Sometimes you do that by going 23 and 0, yep. you know, and, and being a recount and like, you know what? Yeah. Maybe what was it a couple of years ago? Furman, I thought deserved an at-large bid in the sure. NCAA tournament yep. and people knocked their schedule. Well, they beat everybody they could. They racked up 23 wins. They deserve the right to go prove to everybody whether or not they could win right. more so than the seventh team, in the ACC. Right. That's what we're doing right now at the NBC. It, yeah, it's great. It's a good league. If you finish fifth in the league, I'm sorry, you don't You've earn the right to compete you. for national championship. That's right. And, and, and what made me, I, I didn't even think about the fact that it wasn't until like two weeks ago that the MEAC lost its automatic bid because they had too much COVID and not Don't enough teams, they didn't play enough games, right? So if there had been, if there'd only been five at-large bids, the only at-large bids not given to the Valley were JMU and Eastern Washington. Yeah. Two like perennial FCS powers, powers right? So no other conference, like, I, I mean... Like no one in reality, 
no one else had a chance to make the playoffs this year. Right? I mean, that's just like we were just going to give it to like legacy programs and the Valley. Like, we're basically all mid-majors and the Valley. Yeah, yeah. If we're using the basketball you right. know, analogy. Yeah, and it just, oh, it, that part was ridiculous. Um, and there's it, different arguments. Like I can understand the notion of like you want all your power teams and you want the big names in there to grow the game. Well, there's also the grow the game because it's very much a regional thing right now. So maybe get different teams. Get get another SoCon team. You know, right? SoCon needs to be re- reinvigorated. That is kind of a, a, a not a missing link, but like it's it's an opportunity right now. That was such a good league, and everything's different now. The Valley is the best league. I'm not going to argue that it's no, not. no, we're not. Yeah, but 10, 15 years ago, the SoCon and the CA battled it out every year to see who had supremacy, and it was neat. You drew a lot of interest, you know, up and down the Eastern Seaboard. You don't get that as much anymore. I'm sure, and it's terrific to have, you know, these valley schools and having the interest in there. There's not as much of a population there. It's still better to have, you know, a North Carolina school yeah. than a second or third valley team, in my opinion. If you really want to grow the game, but no, I know, and and obviously losing Hofstra and Northeastern and programs over the years has not helped, you know, that whole situation. But yeah, I. I <laughs> That, that was one thing I did enjoy the X players and also just, you know, we've talked about it, but JMU is ranked number one all year. We don't think JMU deserved to be the number one ranked team based on on field performance necessarily. Based on, based on resume. No, based it, on resume they, or on field performance. We didn't necessarily agree with that, but you put out rankings like three weeks ago where you said JMU was the number one and then they didn't do anything but win over, by the way, the like number Richmond was like the 10th ranked team in the country this week. Yeah, that Jamie B handily, and then they dropped to number three. <laughs> but that's that's another good point, though. When you talk about like what did Richmond do to play itself out of consideration? It's a sixteen yes! team bracket. You they said lose how, the, it, it's gross, but you almost made us feel bad for Richmond. Yeah, but like you lose to the number one team in the nation, and like oh, well, that doesn't matter too bad. But some other team on North Dakota State has its second loss to the number one seed. And that doesn't count. That's a good loss. North Dakota State. They in. lost to Northern Iowa, who somebody not NDSU, but other Valley teams yeah. lost to Northern Iowa. But that's a good loss because it was in loss. the Valley. Well, JMU, how many points did Northern Iowa score against JMU last time we played? Yeah, zero. <laughs> so why doesn't like, Richmond get credit for a good loss? Right. You know, it's just yes. <laughs> so two good losses in the Valley are somehow better than one loss overall <laughs> the whole season to the number one team. It's just. It's such a stupid system. Well, and then before even this weekend, we had this nonsense, and I got to get into this. I can't wait to play these idiots. Um, I, I hope we you know get the chance. But SIU, their athletic director put out this thing about like, right? And then their fans started crowing about, well, we called JMU twice and we tried to schedule. Well, hey, one of those weeks was the time when JMU had 12 kids with COVID and 28 yes. in the contact tracing program. The other one was the week after that. When JMU was still hoping to make up CAA games. To try to get the AQ. To try to get the AQ. I'm not even making excuses. But then to see Weber fans pile in and say JMU is ducking SIU. I was like, when we're going to Ogden in September. Yeah. Like, 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 I was like, this is, this is insane. Do you remember this crap a couple years ago in North Dakota state claimed that we were, we were scared to schedule them. You know, we're scared to go to the home and home for a non, yeah, yeah, a home and away or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. No, they just, they just wanted, they just wanted a one-off and Bourne said, no, home and home. It's the same thing with these stupid Salukis. They said, Hey, we want you to come out there. And Bourne said, no, we want you to come here. And then 
They said no. We said no. And Bourne, to his credit, said fine. You, look, you know, you move on. Yeah, you don't blow they? them up and say they're ducking us. You, no. You act like a gentleman and you say it didn't work out and you don't make any comment. They weren't ducking us any more than we were ducking, weren't ducking them. No. And in the end, Southeastern Louisiana went to SIU and both teams, it it, it turns out it paid off for the winner of that game. Um, But everybody's looking out for themselves in this case. Yeah. Right. And, and, and to Bourne's Also COVID. 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 By the way, do you really want to. Yeah. Yeah. We've been shut down and lost how many games this year? Do Not we to mention, really we want to travel won, to Illinois. So we lost all these games. We don't want to travel. And B, now we can finally have a little bit of fans. And this weekend was fun. Yeah. And I don't know if JMU made money, lost money, broke even, but they haven't made any money. They haven't made a penny up until now. Right? Until, I mean, we hadn't played a single game at home since April 1st when the restrictions got lifted and they could sell a few Cokes. And hot dogs, right? And like, and and then, uh, do you want? Like, let's just, yeah, let's go to. I don't even know where Southern Illinois is. Some carbon, crappy Carbondale or somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> so like, but anyways, we're we're not going to probably get SIU. We might get North Dakota or Missouri State, and I will be overly invested in that. Even if those teams had nothing to do with this, Missouri State. What are they? Five and four. Yeah. But hey, our AD is the head of the committee. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and there are four good losses or two, oh, oh, two, yeah. two of them don't count. Two are good losses and two don't count. I and some of them were in the fall when, which those don't, those ones those don't didn't count. matter, those but it did count. matter for like anybody that won games that won. in the fall and needs to get in. Now. It's a yeah. ranked win for North Dakota state. <laughs> oh. even though they played with a different <laughs> quarterback. Arkansas. They're not even a team in the playoffs. Right? <laughs> oh, I know. Um, yeah. So that pretty much takes us around. I will say this was weird. And I wonder you know, Earl Watford, Dean Marlowe. These were not the uh, these were not the ex players who don't have a platform. Yeah. These were the ex players. <laughs> these were the big names that mm-hmm. were weighing in from a JMU perspective, and there was a lot of frustration with the CAA and the FCS this weekend. Um, I don't know that that is all solved. I sort of piled on some of that, and I don't know that I was correct in doing so. I don't, you know. I don't know if it's all solved by leaving the CAA and or moving up. I think those are different propositions at this point. But well, geez, um, if we're frustrated by this nonsense, moving up would be even more frustrating. Yeah, like, I, I you, do. Th- the Coastal Carolina. I mean, that, that yeah, whole, yeah. The, the college football playoff is 50 right. times worse than this FCS I think playoff. the difference is, though, that it isn't um, – there's much like the Super League, which would be our last thing to rant about – it's it's a lot more transparent that it's not available to Coastal Carolina, right? I mean, the problem in FCS is like you run this whole shenanigans of supposedly a meritocracy, supposedly being a meritocracy, and then you crap on your power, like you just are nonsensical at times. And I think our bigger frustration was the whole CAA thing, right? Like, what is the plan? Don't vote. Have it in the rules. Whoever plays the most conference games, if the winning percentages are the same, wins the thing. Well, that's the thing, like right? Because then, you, if you leave it to a vote, we've got then you open yourself to this criticism that, like, you hate JMU because they want to leave, or you know, what? Whoever had won the thing, you know, like uh. just amateur hour. Like, how many sports have tie-breaking procedures? Yes. All of them. 
Yes. And, and very few of them have the first option to be like, oh, we take a straw poll. <laughs> right, 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 right. We call it's it. Just, we, we say yeah. text in your vote. We, we get a text chain. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, uh, we use hashtags. It's just, it just was such amateur hour. And if they had some sort of statement that went along with it, or if they at least threw Jamie a bone and said, hey, both teams are co-champions. You both get a banner, but like, it just seems so off the cuff. And I don't think there's an anti-JMU bias. I, I really don't. I think it's just a poorly run league. I think that's all it comes down to. That's what I, I think that too, right? Because we've got, we got Northeastern fans screaming, jumping up and down about how JMU somehow rigged the basketball tournament this year. Yeah. Right. So like, I, I don't know. We just have the only competent and proactive athletic department and athletic director who was like, Hmm, we're not going to be in the arena in DC this year. I should put together a package and get everybody to come and showcase this brand new arena. We umpteen millions of dollars on and we right. didn't get any of the visibility we needed and we brought a new try coach to... and we're pretty good finally and maybe we can yeah. win this year and we should give them the best chance possible and maybe we get make make lemonade out of lemons and yeah. get some people here and get our floor and everything on on the television networks and but nobody else did that and somehow that's a conspiracy like yeah. it's insane it's they're they're neither for nor against jmu they're just a bunch of babbling buffoons well, and then i forget the i forgot entirely i started watching women's lacrosse you know i watched a little bit of the northwestern game to see our friend's kid play mm-hmm. this weekend that's what got me thinking about the women's game yeah. and they just happened to be on tv this weekend and they got to talking about the men's tournament or coming up you know how things were looking the caa has good teams but i don't know that i've never yeah. even heard of it i forget that it exists <laughs> like i'm like what you? anyways I, uh, it just yeah the whole thing was frustrating um, Rob, what did you think, right? You and I are on, um, from a, f- anyways, oh, well, last thing to wrap up the football, we're going to have fun this playoffs, Rob. Like I don't have any negative shots to fire at VMI this week. We're going to enjoy playing an in-state rival and mm-hmm. having a game that means something to both fan bases. And I hope JMU wins. Well, I wouldn't um, say it, not an in-state rival. It, I'm hopeful this could be the beginning of a rivalry. I would love to see the outcome of this game, one, being JMU win, mm-hmm. JMU winning, and two, being both schools going, you know what, This is there's potential here. Right. Let's start scheduling. I'm even in favor of home and homes. Like, I, yeah. I'm all, out of conference, I've always been in favor of, like, no, just JMU, people come to Bridgeforth, buy games. I'd be okay doing home and homes with a VMI. And I know people will get mad at me. I'd be okay with JMU to continue some sort of, maybe two and one with Norfolk state. Yeah. I'd, I'd prefer to do in-state out of conference than to continue to play the Robert Morris's and Moorhead States. Especially and a VMI is going to, yeah. yeah. And a VMI is going to continue to show the type of commitment they have shown to football the past couple of years, by all means, let's get on board. Let's help them out. Let's, you know, rising tide lifts all boats. Yeah. It will help FCS. It will help JMU. It, like let's do that. So I, I want a JMU victory. And then a positive experience for both schools to go, hey, we got something here. Let, let's try to kick the tires on getting some sort of rivalry going. Yeah, I did I did see a funny uh funny I wish I knew who said this, but they said uh Bridgeforth this weekend is gonna be like JMU parties full of cadets. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, here we go. Um but after this weekend, I, um I will have plenty of shots to fire at all of the fan bases that you know. Uh, uh, may or may not come to Harrisonburg or JMU may face in this playoffs, right? We're going to get a Valley team that we're going to get Sam or NDSU or, 
Easter. I mean, we're going to get, this is going to be fun. I, so. I, I would just want to get through this weekend. I've, I've got very bad PTSD from Colgate, Colgate and Liberty and, oh, and all that stuff. I, just, I don't want to overlook VMI. And I think VMI is more dangerous to those teams that Jamie lost to in the past, but mm-hmm. um, We'll yeah. So, Rob, last thing we got to talk about this uh, European Super League. Uh, I, I, we don't have to, but I just was interested. Like, you're a Man U fan. I'm an Everton fan. On um, different sides of the fence on this, in, in terms of whether this, you know, one team being included, one team not being included. You know, is this the end of the world as we know it, or is it just like? Are you happier than I am? Like, I, I don't know. No, I mean, I'm not happy, but it's not right. the end of the world. That's what um, I think too. Yeah. I, it's been, it's been a long time coming. I don't like it. It's the college football playoff. It's a continuation of the last conversation we just had. We're like, it's formalizing what we already know that the system is rigged for certain teams and they really don't want to share the wealth. They don't want a situation where a Porto wins the Champions League or, you know, Lyon or one of these other teams. Monaco. Um, I do think it's a little different in soccer, and I'm not that steeped in soccer culture. I'm not like a diehard. You know, I I follow the game, and I like watching matches, and I'll I'll definitely keep up. But, like, the relegation and promotion is – it's just it's just baked into the culture. Like, this is the most frustrating thing. And and to to give that up for this, hey, preconceived, it goes in every year. It's the same twelve teams or sixteen teams. It takes a lot out of it. It'd be like it's like the World Cup without qualifying. Yeah, and it's just it's weird. It's kind of unsettling. The kind of I don't want to say the worst part, but like the thing that really frustrates me is everybody's so fired up right now, but everybody's going to tune in. If this yeah, thing yeah, actually yeah. gets no, off the, the ground, here, right? that's what, I mean, that's I what, said I'm I'm an Everton fan, but I'd be lying if I said I had the same um, excitement level when Everton plays Burnley that I do when they play Man City, right? Mm-hmm. And the truth is, you know, I, like I don't, I'm not such a fan that I follow every game every minute, right? And so when I know the Champions League final is coming up, if Real Madrid is playing Bayern Munich, I'm very excited about that game as a fan of the game, mm-hmm. right? And so you're right. I will watch Barcelona play Man U over watching Fulham play, you know, whoever, right? Crystal Palace. Crystal yeah. Palace, right? I will do that. And that's where it's a, it's a terrible contradiction. The thing I hate the most, well, two things. I mean, one, I assume that they will work out this World Cup argument you know so right now the scariest thing of all is that uh fifa is saying that the people in the super league players who play in the super league teams will not be allowed to play in world cups and uefa is saying the same thing about the european cup right and that would be like to me i I don't know maybe european fans feel differently who grew up with a you know a team that they support truly 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 but for us american fans like those are the biggest competitions to me like I still value the World Cup more than I value Everton, right? And that may be misguided from a British, someone who grew up as a British fan, right? You know, a a true Evertonian may see that differently than I do. But to not be able to see those players every four years or whatever. I don't know. I think think it's actually, 
I think we might be discounting how much other countries care about the World Cup because you see a lot of the Liverpool supporters today were like, you know, rest in peace, I'm done. There, there are people backing out the big supporters groups. Yeah. I think the whole culture and the the relegation promotion, like I said earlier, I think that yeah. matters a lot more. And the fact that, yeah, it is more fun for Everton to face a Manchester United or Manchester City because you got something on the line. You can overtake them. If you can no longer overtake them, yes. it kills the whole dream. Well, you're just you American sports up. at this point. And the yeah. worst thing, it's like they're taking the worst thing about American sports yeah. and importing it to the, like, which is that you can be Daniel Snyder and you can suck and suck and suck and suck for 20 years. Mm-hmm. You could be, what, what's the Mets? The Mets oh, people. you can be the Wilpons. The Wilpons, yeah. right? And you can just suck and suck and make things more sucky. The Detroit Lions forever and ever and ever. And you could be terrible and you still get your piece of the revenue sharing pie of this massive TV rights deal. And you have no incentive to not be Peter Angelos and not just pay as little as you can and suck and let everyone else do the work, right? And and now it feels like the one thing with promotion relegation, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because if you suck enough and you're Newcastle, no matter how much history you have, you will go down and you will lose lots and lots and lots of money, right? And I, <laughs> and I think... Know, England is one of those leagues where we follow England more than the other leagues. It's a very good example where if you were to do this five years in the future, it might be Leicester City that gets the nod. You know, like there's so there is, I mean, five or 10 years ago, it was the big four. Uh You know, you had Arsenal, Manchester United, Liverpool. Now it's the big six and Arsenal's kind of falling down. And could you have, you know, Leicester City's right up there. So it does change. Um, Uh I mean, if you go back... Yeah, it's been a while, but I mean, teams like Blackburn Rovers have won a Premier League right. title, and Liverpool hadn't won it in how many? Had never won it since it became the Premier League. So, like, right. it does move more than you think, and it it seems, you know, from the outside looking in, you're like it's the same old teams, but it's really not when you look into it. There well, are teams no. that creep up in there, and you don't have to win the title like Leicester. You could be Wolves, yeah, right. You can be a team that works and works and works, and and suddenly is a regular team in the league you know and you have a chance to qualify for other th- you know uh I, yeah it's just i know that it'll the be other interesting leagues- if like a bayern munich which is not a part of this or psg no. which is not a part of this what they do and, and how they they kind of rally and what they can do well just- and that's where it gets shadier and shadier right the problem with this whole thing is that even all, like there's no good answers and I, it doesn't mean that like <laughs> i don't know it, so Bayern, the one thing in Germany, which I, and I have to say this, I am if it goes through, I will probably watch more German football yeah. than I did in other choices. So the difference in Germany is that the teams have to be primarily um, supporter owned, right? So they're like fifty percent owned by they're big giant ownership groups. It's and not. They the, it's not like things. the Premier. It's not huge conglomerates like, or hedge funds or billionaires. Right. And so their program, and not to mention that Germany, we, we know historically, like they, they care a great deal about German, the German league and the yes. German team and the way that the German league produces the German national team. There's a very nationalistic part to it too. PSG is an interesting one because they are, I have a feeling we will see them in the Super League as soon as the 2022 World Cup is over. I was reading today that I, I had not realized that the PSG is primarily owned by the 
Qatari government, the yes. royal family of Qatar, who is hosting yeah. the, the most corrupt World Cup in history in two years. Mm-hmm. And um, they I, also have massive TV deals, so they don't. Yeah, so need they're this in bed so with UEFA and FIFA. And as soon as that World Cup is over, um, it would be in no way surprising to suddenly see PSG. Yes. Now, that said, um, everyone from like Macron on down has also had things to say about this, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, yeah, anyways, I, it's frustrating because it is, it's like they're taking the worst parts of college football in this country and putting it onto the biggest sport in the world. And what scares me the most is if you're Tottenham, you go from being like a competitive, contending team in the Premier League who hopes to strive to win it like Liverpool did last year, to, you're just the worst team in the league. Yeah. Like in the new league. And you have no incentive to be a better team in that league because you're in it permanently. So at some point, this is just going to be, right? Aren't we just going to get down to like City and Real Madrid all over again? (laughs) Like, like, I don't even know how it works because I I saw it and I was like, oh, that stinks, whatever. It's out of my control. They're keeping 15 permanent members. Is this this replacing the Champions League? Or like, are they no longer competing in the domestic well, that's what seems to be the – that's what I didn't understand today, and I guess we'll learn more. It seems like it's replacing the Champions League because they're calling it a midweek league. So to me, it's more replacing the Champions League, but I don't know if the domestic leagues – there. You know, I, it remains to be seen what the reaction from the domestic leagues is. Well, that's the thing. Do you have, do you have the stones to say, if you do this, you're out? You're out. Is it going to do – like? It's the JMUCA conversation. Yes. You know, like, yeah. which is, is, is the Premier League better off taking a stand and kicking Manchester United and Chelsea out and saying, we're going to maintain this culture? Or are they better kind of coddling them saying, we really don't like you doing this, but let's really emphasize the, you know, winning the table. I, yeah. I, I saw Katie Harper and Preston having a little bit of back and forth today about Katie had put up a poll about, can the CAA afford to lose JMU? And, I think it was precedent. Somebody turned it around and was like, well, can, can JMU afford to stay in the CAA? Like yeah. it's a weird conversation, right? Who, where is the leverage here? What is the play? Yeah. So who knows? Um, you know, I, part of me doesn't want to just be like, Oh, it's terrible because it's new. And as you just said, the truth of the matter is I'll probably watch, right. If you tell me that every Wednesday I can watch, Messi versus Juventus versus Man City. I'm going to watch that. <laughs> yes, right? Like, I, you know. That's but, a difficult... but if you tell me like, oh, wow, Weston McKinney can't suit up for the U.S. men's national team, Correct. I'm going to have a lot of angst. And me I too. might not watch Juventus. I might be yeah, very Yeah, if I can't have Pulisic and, and McKinney on the yeah. national team. Sergino Best, you yeah, know, yeah, Barcelona, <laughs> like, it's that's Pulisic. That's really... That's a different conversation. Yeah. And I don't, anyways, it's frustrating. It, it, it's a reminder that all of our complaints about the CAA and the NCAA and FCS are, are no different on any level anywhere in the world. Yeah, <laughs> right? So Todd, I also, I'm, I'm looking right now. I, I realize we've got a timer. We are approaching maybe our longest podcast ever. Uh, so, you're still here. Bless your heart. God bless you. God, <laughs> we, owe, we owe you a beer. Next time we see you bridge fourth. I, I can't you, edit um, this. I'm not going to edit this down at this point either too much. No, but, uh, yeah. no, just hit play. Yeah, just we don't have play. an overtime tonight. That was the overtime. We were talking about this and, and yeah. everything else. So, um, yeah, that's true. I hadn't thought about that. We don't even have a guest. What are we doing? All right. Yeah. Let's give uh, everybody we, we back their week. Up. Yeah, people do want this. I have to say, Rob, I've been missing. 
you know, since Sam and Brian haven't been doing the big podcast, I know Medea's going to have a, a, you know, his great one this week uh, with games, but he hasn't been doing it on the off weeks either. So I've just been wondering where the, I, I don't know. I don't, I can't go too far down the FCS rabbit hole. We're just filling the gap. We're coming up just under two hours. So you figure like this is for, let's pretend this is intentional for our Nova fans or Richmond fans who are driving to the game this weekend. This should get you there. And I don't know if something else happens in European soccer, we could drag this out for another hour or two for the Virginia beach fans. Just (laughs) let you play on your drive to the stadium. on Yeah, This one's for you, Pim. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You got this. Yeah. Um, well, I hope to see I, – I, I'm putting in for our tickets, Rob. We'll see. I, I hope that we'll be able to find a way to the stadium this weekend. But in any case, I hope to see lots of people uh, this weekend if, if we can – if we make the cut. But in any case, we will be talking next week. We will be talking next week no matter what happens, Rob. Hopefully about a big win. Hopefully about a big win. Um, hopefully about some other – who's playing this week that – well, I guess none of the teams really have the NCAA tournament this week. So, you know, with soccer and, and golf holding off till next week. But hopefully more softball wins. And, and look, if we're if we're playing, a, if we're hosting a Valley team next week, whew, that's all hands that on deck. That will be fun to, fun to do. And yeah. I, I, look, it's tournament time. So survive in advance. And all this crap that Rob and I have been ranting about the last 20 minutes, throw it out the window. It's time to play VMI. We got to find a way for our corners and linebackers to communicate and do their job. Um, And for JMU to hand the ball to someone and grind VMI into this. Yeah. So downhill running. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, It's playoff time. Rob round of 16. I hope to talk to you before the quarterfinals next week. Yeah. Likewise, man. Have a good one. See you. Go Dukes. Be my